Well, welcome from me as well. Good to see you guys. You guys, uh, you guys ready? You guys excited? I'd like to just uh, check, make sure everybody's still awake out there. Uh, yeah, it's good to be here. I'm especially excited to be here with you guys. And if you are just joining us, uh, aside, also in addition to the welcome cards, I just want to maybe kind of tie you into what we're doing here. We're in the middle of a series. We're about a little past halfway uh, going through the fruit of the Spirit. Each week, we've taken a closer look at these various kind of attributes given to us from Paul's list that we just read through in Galatians. I'm going to move this so I don't uh, step on it and break something important. Now, I'll mention again, if you don't remember, uh, when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, we see this list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's a strong list, it's a powerful list, but it all comes down to one fruit. It is one fruit being produced in us, which reminds us, and this is something that's being produced in us when we belong to Jesus. So it's something that should be produced in us. In fact, it's an evidence that we do, in fact, belong to Christ, and it means that each of these attributes should be seen in our lives. Not just some of them, not just the ones we like or the ones we feel more confident in, but all of them should be seen in our lives as, and continually growing as we learn and kind of grow as we walk with the Lord and learn more and more to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And that's kind of been the goal. And that's why we're taking so much time because there's a lot of these things we could maybe kind of brush over, but man, we want to really make sure, am I seeing all of these in my life? Am I seeing love and joy and peace and patience? Am I seeing all of these in my life? And if not, how can I be seeing them grow more? What do I need to be working on? That's why we're taking so much time to go through this because it's in itself an evidence that we do belong to Jesus. And I hope that you guys are excited as we get into the next piece, the next attribute of the fruit. It's been a fun and very challenging uh, series, I think. How many of you have been challenged in one way or another through this series? Whew. Me too. Two times. Multiple times. Every time, actually. Every sermon has been quite challenging, uh, both from this perspective and also as a, a hearer of what God is trying to say to us. And I'm also especially excited to be here. Uh, I don't know if you guys come regularly. I haven't been here in a couple weeks for various reasons, and so I'm really glad to be here. Uh, it also reminded me that uh, I'm so thankful that we have uh, this, this camera here. Hopefully someday more cameras, but right now we just have the one. And I'm really glad that I was still able to kind of join in, be a part of this service from home. And so I think that's a really cool thing that we can easily take for granted. If you can't be here, it's no excuse. You can still join in to the community online. That said, I definitely missed physically being here. There's something so powerful, so important about coming together as God's people and, and just being under one roof and being gathered together. And so I'm glad that we could be here together uh, tonight. Now, last week, uh, I don't know, maybe most of you probably don't know, but uh, I wasn't here because I had an eye injury. I was uh, just out working in the garden. It was a beautiful day with my son, who's only three, and he was really pulling his weight. He was helping me uh, to move some brush that we had cut and just like it was perfect timing, I bent over. He picked up a large branch, a bit too large for him, uh, with big thorns in it and pulled it back and whacked me right in the eye and scratched my cornea. And if you've ever had that, it's incredibly painful. I don't recommend it. 
And uh, that happened on Saturday night. Uh, it's amazing how fast the eye can heal. If it had happened two days before, I would have been fine. But it happened Saturday evening, and therefore, without being able to see, it would have been a little bit difficult to get here and to preach. Therefore, I wasn't able to come. But even though I wasn't able to be here because of this eye injury, I did get to experience firsthand what we're going to be talking about today, which is kindness. I got to see and experience the kindness of our own community here in this service, which was very, very encouraging to experience. See, my, my, I have two small kids. My wife could, there was no way that she would be able to drive me to the hospital. And as I couldn't see myself, I certainly wouldn't have been able to do it. And uh, I was incredibly moved, actually, and encouraged that upon hearing about it, a few people from here in this community were quick to give up their Saturday evening and drive me to the hospital. And I hope that they know how much that really meant to me and how much it really encouraged me at the kind of community that we are. It's really textbook kindness. See, they didn't really benefit anything out of the experience. I think they made the most of it. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that my just being around me isn't enough <laughs> to give up a Saturday, especially when I'm in excruciating pain and can't see anything. Not, not great company. They gave up uh, their own Saturday. They benefited nothing. They sacrificed their time for another's benefit. And that's really the what we're talking about when we talk about kindness. It's kindness in a nutshell. There's the sermon. Have a good evening. That's it. And I got to experience it. And it was awesome. Now, if you're wondering who is, who were these people? Maybe I'll know who to call next time I'm in trouble. Uh, As we're going to be talking about kindness as an act of something that we should expect nothing in return, I'm going to allow them to have their reward in heaven and not share their names with you here. So I don't want to take that from them. I don't want to take that reward from them. So I think they'd rather have that. But you know who you are. So today we're looking at kindness. Kindness. Now, kindness is quite difficult to separate from goodness. If you were here last week, that's what Sam talked about was goodness. In fact, in English, as I was looking at different translations, uh, a lot of words that are, are sometimes translated goodness and sometimes kindness uh, it's, in fact, sometimes love, as is, sometimes there's words that are translated love and sometimes kindness. Uh, it's, there's a lot of interchangeable, uh, f- especially between goodness and kindness. In fact, a lot of people just kind of link them together in the, uh, when they look at the fruit of the Spirit. But I think it's good that we're taking time to unpack this a bit more. The word kindness is the word, this particular word kindness uh, that we looked at in our text in Galatians is only used a few times uh, and is also sometimes translated goodness, in, especially in older translations. And, but it comes from this root word that means usefulness, which I found really helpful. You know, it's, kindness is, is rooted in this word that's not just this uh, idea or this kind of theory or this kind of attitude, but it's, it's, it's all of that, but it's also useful. It's also practical, and it's often referring to God's kindness toward us, which is the most practical and the most important and the most powerful image of kindness we can imagine. So with that in mind, I think it's really important that we kind of build on the foundation of of what Sam uh, had kind of built in with goodness last week, because a lot of what he said 
can be just brought right into kindness. And so we don't want to separate those completely in our mind. And there are two things that he really, that he kind of was hammering out uh, throughout his sermon that I thought are really good to bring into kindness, especially. Number one is that we want to be building a legacy. He talked about building a legacy of goodness, and that certainly applies to kindness. And this is actually, this is often seen, so a legacy of goodness is seen in the actions of goodness, which he also emphasized, and which could also be defined as our acts of kindness toward other people. And so we want to link that in. We want to be building a legacy, building a community, building a, creating a culture in our church, in our community, in our city of kindness. And the second thing I want to just link in with from last week is just as with goodness, kindness is not simply about being nice. It's not simply about being nice. Biblical kindness cannot be equated with simple niceness, or which can often look like weakness. Being kind is not being a doormat for society. We're just there to be always kind of the underdog, always kind of just letting ourselves uh, be beaten for the sake of being kind to the world. That's not what biblical kindness is about at its root. And we'll see that genuine kindness is something that's produced in us, right? This is a fruit. This is something that's being produced in us, and it requires strength. It requires strength. So Sam unpacked that pretty well last week with goodness, so I will only encourage you to kind of take that concept of what he was unpacking and bring it into kindness. But also, uh, if you didn't uh, hear it, I would encourage you to listen to that message to kind of help you to build a better understanding of what we're talking about today. I've already listened to it twice. It's, a, it's definitely worth listening to. Now, what I want to do today, then, is bring it down a little bit more practical, a little bit more personal. I think Sam was really kind of looking at some big picture stuff, thinking about legacy, talking about like 500 years down the road and all this stuff. Uh, we're going to bring it into today. We're going to bring it into this week, uh, bring it into this room, and bring it into our own personal lives as well. I believe that, uh, yeah... All of us know at some level, I think Christian or not, but certainly as Christians, we know that we should be kind. We should be kind. This is, kindness should be something that we live. But something that we, some, I think sometimes we allow ourselves to let it become, to, or to feel like a duty, to feel like a requirement, as it's something kind of separate from our like this, our, our spiritual life, our relationship with God, and okay, yeah, we should also probably do some kind things from here, here and there. That it's simply actions, it's simply works, outward expressions, something that we're just supposed to do because that's what Christians do. And the problem with, and this is where I think we kind of see this idea of niceness, of like, you know, just being a nice person, just do kind things, you know. At least uh, do enough every week to kind of check off your list so that you don't feel bad the next time you're not kind when you find somebody that's not really so nice to be kind to. The problem is that we then separate it from spirituality. We separate kindness, the action of kindness, from our spiritual nature. And we are to, this is a fruit of the Spirit. We're supposed to be walking in the Spirit, and that should be producing kindness. It's not something separate from our spirituality. It's not something separate from our spiritual nature. It's a fruit of it. 
In reality, something, it is something incredibly spiritual and deep that takes place when that takes place out of a genuine kindness. It's a, it's a spiritual action. How many of you can think of a moment that someone showed you great kindness in your life? Maybe it was this week. Maybe it was just a small gesture. Just something small that somebody did that was a little bit out of the ordinary. Just extra kind that just spoke to you in some way. Or maybe it was some great moment it happened long ago that has stuck with you for years. I can think of many in my own life where people showed me kindness. And really, when I, when I say people showed me kindness, it's, not always, it's usually not the action itself, is it? When somebody does something genuinely kind, it's the nature of how they do it and why they do it. They genuinely aren't expecting anything back, and you don't feel a sense that, you're, that you owe them anything. And you're able to just receive it with grace. Such a beautiful, beautiful thing. I can think of a few moments when I was, uh, years ago, I was in India and with uh, my wife, and uh, we were serving in a pretty impoverished community, and there were a, f- a few moments when I was shown such kindness by people who had so little, and I know that there was a lot of cultural things kind of wrapped up in that, but just for me and my experience and the way that I viewed this, it shocked me. It shocked me to be shown kindness when I was so hesitant to open my doors to people, maybe so hesitant to give my time, to give my energy, to give my resources to people, especially people I barely knew. And yet here I was meeting people for the first time, being invited into their home, offered food, offered tea, as obviously. And... It really stuck with me. In fact, I remember one incident that I was not, yeah, maybe this fits or not, we'll see, I'll share it with you anyway. Uh, and I was, I was invited to a house, and this guy was the, one of the most kindest people I've ever met in my life. I'll never forget him, just the way, his nature, the way that he carried himself, he had such this, this kindness about him. And he was running a house church, and when I say he was running a house church, I mean his house was a room, it was one room, it was very small, And yet this guy was giving up his home every week for a church to meet so that people in the community could come and hear about Christ. It really just impacted me. And when I went there, actually, I was, uh, being a Westerner, was given, I was also preaching, uh, was given like this, the largest portion of food. And it's very culturally insensitive to not finish the food. Uh, But I had just eaten, and I was like, dying trying to finish this food. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that. And it just filled me, it filled me with such shame. I was so ashamed that I couldn't finish this food. And, but I think maybe God did that on purpose to really allow this moment to just stick with me for so many years that the way that this, this, this man showed such kindness, the way he lived, the way that he expressed himself, and the way he showed kindness to me. This, this act of selflessness, this small act of kindness which was big for him, has, had left just this lasting impact on my life. And so I just want to kind of emphasize this before we get into the next section and before we kind of start to unpack this, I, I just hope to push that on you or impress that on you. Maybe you have an experience you can draw back on. I hope so. Before we get to what we're going to be getting into, I want you to begin to grasp that acts of kindness 
A heart of kindness toward others can leave an imprint that will last long beyond that moment. There's power in it. There's, there's something, that, that's something real that people will experience beyond the, the action itself. And why is that? Because it's something spiritual is happening when we show genuine kindness. Ultimately, genuine kindness shown to others will leave an imprint of Jesus himself. For he is our perfect example. He is the source of kindness in our own heart as, it is being, as the Holy Spirit is producing this in us. Our kindness becomes and is the kindness of Christ manifesting itself through the fruit of the Spirit. So I just want to imprint that on you before we get into this, which is what, what does kindness really look like? What does kindness look like? And we're talking about kindness. What does kindness look like? I mean specifically, what is biblical kindness? What, what is the kindness that we're talking about? And in order to be kind to children, that's, that's just a reminder. Just throw that in there. Maybe God was saying something. Now, lest we confuse kindness with simply being nice, I think we have to look deeper than the actions themselves, right, before we talk about what kindness looks like. So to understand what kindness looks like, we should understand what motivates or what should motivate Christian kindness. What should motivate us? And to, in order for us to kind of understand that question or to prepare for that, let's also consider what a false motivation might look like, which is what we see in our text that we read in Luke. He says, if you love, if you do good, if you lend to people who are in need, people who, are, who need help, if you lend them something, if you're kind to people, all the while expecting to get love in return, to have good done back to you, or to gain back everything that you've lent out, what credit is it to you? What have you really accomplished? What have you really done? Have you done anything kind? Jesus is saying, not really. It is not accredited to you. Everybody would do that. Even sinners do that. Nobody is hesitant to give, expecting something back. And if you find yourself considering what benefit you could gain from being kind to someone, you're not motivated by Christian kindness. This is ultimately just selfishness. Again, everyone is willing to give if they believe they will also receive. It's easy to love people who love you back. It's easy to give to people that you know will give, you, give to you back. It's easy to ha- invite someone over to dinner when you know they kind of know eventually they're owed, I'm owed to be invited to their house. And we do that, right? We think that way sometimes. But this isn't genuine biblical kindness. And it's not only in looking at situations where we might gain something as a kind of uh, quick uh, return for our investment, whatever that might look like. It can also be thinking about it in order to gain maybe social status with others who see our kindness. If you do something really nice for your neighbor and all the time, the only thing going through your mind is, this is going to make a really awesome Instagram post. People are going to think I'm super kind. What a great neighbor I am. Look how how kind I am to people. Don't look at me that way. I know you've had those thoughts. We have those thoughts. 
Look at Instagram. It's filled with things like that. If that's in your heart, it just might be that your heart is not truly in the right place. Jesus says in Matthew 6, I'm going to just paraphrase because it's a pretty big section, but I really like. He says, when you give, and I love this, don't sound the trumpets. Don't have your Instagram selfie ready. Don't sound the trumpets. And he's talking about giving, obviously, kind of specifically even in the church, but I think this goes for our giving to the poor or giving any kind of giving, any kind of act of kindness. Don't sound the trumpets. Do not even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Instead, know that your Father in heaven sees your good deed. Let him be the one you're doing it for. Let him be the one who gives you the reward. And it will be a better reward in the end. No matter how many likes you got, it's better to have God looking on you with joy, giving you the thumbs up. Well done, well done, good and faithful servant. I would way rather hear those words than have all the likes. And I know it's easy to say, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, amen, right. But come on, guys, come on. You know what I'm talking about. It's hard not to want the adoration of others. Let's try to have kindness in our heart with the right motivation. So to see if we have that, if we have a genuine kindness, we can simply consider what is our motivation for this? Why am I doing this? Hopefully you don't have to ask that every time because it will just become a flowing out of kindness from your heart. And also, if you do ask yourself and you don't like the answer, and if we're honest, we've all at times, at least one or twice, once or twice, had moments where we knew that we didn't maybe have the right motivation. We did this really great kind thing, but it wasn't really for the right thing because immediately we're like, you know, man, come on, man, I did that really great thing for you. You know, at least you could do is like do something nice for me, give me a gift, something, tell me thank you. And we can maybe see in our hearts, hmm, I, maybe I'm, I'm not motivated by the right thing. But at the same time, don't let that stop you from being kind. Oh, I guess I'm not very good at it. Oh, well, I just won't be kind anymore. Don't let that stop you from being kind, but rather pray and ask God to change your heart to help you to become more outward focused, which is the main goal of being kind, to be outward focused rather than inwardly concerned. To have a focus and a heart for people rather than always thinking of ourselves. And we can, we can really identify a proper motivation when we also consider who the Bible reminds us we should show kindness to. Who the Bible tells us we should show kindness to. And I'll just point out really quick a few verses. The Bible reminds us that we should be kind to the anxious. Anxiety, Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Oh, we should be kind to people who are anxious, who are dealing with fear, who are dealing with doubts. Obviously, our friends, obviously the people in our, our circles, of our influence, but man, Let's try to reach out beyond that. So many people in this world right now are dealing with anxiety. 
that's weighing them down, and a kind word would do so much good. Be kind to those who have anxiety. To the needy. It says, blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. All those who are in need of any and every kind. To the poor. And I think when we look at the poor, we can think about that obviously financially, but I think also the poor in spirit, those who are lonely, those who are depressed, who are really struggling. In Proverbs 19, 17 says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. It is ultimately to God that we are doing it, and he will reward them. I don't know if you're noticing that pattern. It's quite refreshing. There's a lot of reward when we do. But not for, not in this world, not in this life, not from those people that we give to, but from our Father who looks on us with, ple- with pleasing eyes. Also to the oppressed in Daniel 12, 27, renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. Be kind to those who are oppressed, who are suffering. We can certainly keep in mind to pray Also, for those who are even being persecuted and struggling all over the world and looking for ways to be kind toward them. And this one, which is from our text today in Luke 6.35, which I find to be the most difficult out of all of these, to the ungrateful. See, we... In the, in the passage, it says, it says that we should be kind as God our Father is kind even to the ungrateful. He is kind to the ungrateful. That's the kind of kindness we should have. And let me tell you, that's the hardest person to be kind to. Somebody that you pour yourself out, that you put yourself in a sacrificial position to give to them for their benefit because you genuinely love and care for them and want to see them be lifted up. And they're like, I don't need you. That's hard to be kind to the ungrateful. It's hard to be kind to the ungrateful. But again, we can note that there is such reward. And I think that reward is not just that God looks fondly upon us, or as Jesus promises that we have a reward waiting for us in eternity, but there's also, there is a tangible reward, and that's joy and pleasure And happiness that comes from being kind, genuinely kind to others. And there's nothing wrong with finding joy in being kind to others when we have a genuine kindness. Because I don't care how they receive it. I don't care if they spit in my face. I want to see them lifted up. I want to see them cared for. I want to see them loved. So much so that even if it costs me greatly, I'm willing to do it. And that will produce joy in our hearts because it connects us to Christ. Genuine kindness is a character trait. And let me be honest, one that should be produced in us by the Holy Spirit. And for some of us, that's the only hope to see this character trait in our lives because it's just not in our nature to be kind. Some people just have like really kind hearts, it seems like. It's not, being kind is not simply a Christian trait. We see that in other realms, at least in action. But uh, for some of us, uh, it doesn't come so easily or so naturally. And the fruit of kindness is very difficult to create. It's difficult to produce, to just buckle down and make it happen. Because then we can easily fall into making it about ourselves. Checking off a list of how awesome we are by all of the good and nice and kind things we've done. 
It is something we should ask God for because genuine kindness will flow out of us as the Holy Spirit produces it in us. And it is rooted in a deep love for people. It's rooted in a deep love for people when we show kindness to them. A genuine love. And as we'll see later when we look at love, love, genuine love, is selfless. It's selfless. Let's go back to our our text and read verse 35 again. Point out a few things that we can draw on what kindness looks like. Luke 6, 35. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So three things I want to note from that. First, we can really check our hearts and really examine our motivations by this truth and a willingness to show kindness even to our enemies. Even to our enemies. And when we look at enemies, I think we can really broaden that to everybody in our lives that we know is unlovable. And you know what I'm talking about. That person in your class, that family member, that teacher, that boss, that guy at work that you just really can't stand. (laughs) I I know I'm not the only person that has people like that in my life. You guys are looking at me very solemnly and holy. I see right through it. We all have people like that. And I know, I know that, and I, I believe that God all, all, very often, at least in my experience, puts people like that in my life. And it's often people that are very, very close that I have to work with all the time. And I feel like, why? Oh, yeah, God, you're teaching me something. Amen. What is it? And how can I get this lesson over with? <laughs> and then I, I finally make peace. And I, I've had a few times in my life where and this is in my notes, but just to kind of bring this a little bit down to a personal level, where I really, I was put in a position working very close to somebody that I really struggled with, and I prayed and prayed. It took a few years, and really working on my heart, and then I got to a point where we became really close, and we were really good friends, and then I was like, awesome, and that person ended up uh, leaving my life, and then God put another one immediately after, and I had to start all over. <laughs> it's like, ah, okay, all right, God. Need more of that fruit of peace and patience. We'll get to that later. Um, So just to kind of bring it home for you guys, you know what I'm talking about. Loving our enemies. It can be showing grace, showing kindness to that person who just cut you off in traffic that you want to throw a rock at their window. Or somebody maybe even that's caused you great pain and hurt at a very deep level in your life, maybe for years. Are you able to show kindness to them? Now, when we talk about this, we always have to come back to this deep truth that I I mention all the time because I think everything is linked into this because for us to be able to do that, we have to understand forgiveness. We have to understand forgiveness. It's only possible when we understand forgiveness. When we receive the full forgiveness and we understand the full forgiveness we've received through Jesus Christ, Only then are we able to show kindness, which is really love, to show love and kindness to others. 
even those who hurt us. We are quick to offer kindness because it just flows out of an understanding of forgiveness. So if you want to know what kind of heart you have, if you have genuine kindness toward others, you can ask yourself, am I willing to be kind to love those who hurt me? And not spitefully, well, I'm just going to be really, really nice to them, that'll show them. Sometimes we can feel that way too. But genuinely, even if nobody knows it, even if no one ever sees the kindness that you've done, and they never get a clue how much kindness you show, you've shown them, I pray that we have those kinds of hearts, that we can develop a heart of kindness that is selfless, because we see the bigger picture. And that everything, even great hurts, become petty and small when compared to the great love and forgiveness we've been shown through Christ. The second thing to note from this text is our ability to show genuine kindness marks us as genuine children of God, as all the fruit of the Spirit does. Kindness as well. When we are, when we, <laughs> we are seen as children of God, by the world, when we belong to him, right? And we want the world to see a good image of Christ, a good image of his kindness. And the way that the world sees us is through our love and kindness and affection, even on those who are hard to love, hard to be kind to, to the weak, to the unlikable, and even the ungrateful. And it is not only for him, but it is to him that we act in kindness. As Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 40, and this is talking about after all things are done, we stand before him in facing or heading into eternity. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you did for me. You did it for me. Ah, we can look into the eyes of somebody who has shown us no kindness and show them kindness knowing that it is ultimately unto Christ that we are showing kindness. And it begins here. You know, all of this, again, is really theoretical. It all sounds really nice. It all sounds like, yeah, I need to go out into the world and be kind and show the world who Jesus is. But there's some people in my church. No, I'm not ready to show them kindness. In Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. And he's talking about the church here. He's talking about us as believers. Be kind to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Ah, be kind to one another. It's so vital that we learn to be kind to each other here in this community, in the community that God is building. How often we have our greatest rivalries our greatest dissensions within the church. How shameful that is. I've seen it just in my last five years here in pastoring here. I've seen it many times. We need to be kind here to one another. And again, it's rooted in forgiveness for one another. We're called to represent the love of God to the world Not just in word, but also in deed. 
And this is expressed and seen through the genuine kindness toward everyone we come in contact with. We should have a heart of kindness. But it cannot, we cannot produce that if we haven't learned to simply represent him here. How can we represent him out there if we haven't learned to be kind to one another here inside the church? Thus, equally, our inability to be kind shows that we have not surrendered our heart fully to God. We haven't surrendered every part of ourselves, every bit of ourselves to Him. We're holding something back. Maybe, and it's usually unforgiveness. It's bitterness. It's hurt that we're not willing to let go of, not willing to give to God, not willing to say, I forgive them. I let it go. Because then everybody who reminds us of that situation or of that person, we cannot be kind to them. Not really. Maybe we can fake it for a while, but not really because we've held on to things that we're not willing to just release and let go. Until you do that, you can never fully belong to God. You can never be fully surrendered to Him. You can never fully represent Christ to the world. You limit what God can do through you when you hold grudges, when you hold on to things. Let it go. I don't know. That's not in my notes, but I felt like maybe somebody needed to hear that. Maybe I did. But... We have to learn to let things go and live in forgiveness so that we can truly have genuine love and kindness. The third thing to know from this text, I know I'm going a bit long, but it's all right. It's good. You should hear this. God has shown us kindness even when we were ungrateful. God has shown us kindness even when we were ungrateful. It's the verse that we read, or as Antonia read, for while we were sinners, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. I love that connection. Maybe somebody would be willing to die for a good person. But would you be willing to die for you? Knowing everything you know about you? Christ was. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What greater act of kindness has ever been seen or shown to humanity in all of human history? See, all of us in our lives rejected what Jesus did for us. We have all lived at moments in immense ungratefulness toward the kindness of God. And yet, he doesn't turn away from us. He doesn't say, well, then forget you. He continued to show us great love and kindness, even when we not only rejected, but were ungrateful. Instead, he draws us continually closer to himself, sanctifying us by the work of the Holy Spirit, creating in us a new heart and making us more and more like Jesus, our Savior, as we learn to surrender each and every part of ourselves. So if all of the fruit of the Spirit is ultimately a description of who Jesus is, and this fruit being produced in us is the Holy Spirit sanctifying us and making us into the image of Christ, then we should see the kindness of Christ for the world. That kind of, that kind of kindness, the kind of kindness that was willing to die and sacrifice for the sake of those who had done nothing to deserve it, and in fact had rejected it altogether. So let's bring that into action. Kindness in action. Now we get to a little bit more practical. I'll go a little bit quicker here. Show kindness in your life. 
So bring it down to the practical, guys. First of all, check your motivation. Check your heart. Be doing it for the right reason. Remember what Christ has done to kind of build you up, having a heart of forgiveness and a genuine love for the people you show kindness to, and then go and actually be kind, actually do things. Let's not leave this as a lofty concept, but bring it down to our everyday. Find people to be serving, maybe. Maybe in your building. Maybe someone in, maybe you're one of your neighbors reaching out to people who are alone, showing kindness by simply serving or maybe just listening to somebody, maybe somebody who's an elderly person who's just been alone a lot, especially through this last year, and just being able, maybe, maybe they don't feel comfortable with you coming over, maybe just having a phone call with them. Phones are also used for talking to one another. I know that's not so much anymore, but maybe just call them to asking them how they're doing, giving them an opportunity. Even though it takes time from your life, even though it's maybe not going to be very interesting to you personally, but just showing kindness because you genuinely care for the person. Finding ways to serve other people around you. And this also applies to your home. I know sometimes we tend to forget that. We want to like be really kind to everybody, but then we go home to our families and to our brothers, to our sisters, to our mothers, to our fathers, to our kids, to our spouse. It's like, mm, I'll show kindness sometimes, but I have to pay them back first for what they did to me. I have a sister, I know. Show kindness even in the home. Maybe really freak them out by caring about them. Show kindness through hospitality. As I mentioned, this uh, situation that really spoke to me in, in India with this person, this guy had just this one room. He, had a, he was a family of four that lived in one room and that every Sunday gave up his space in order for a church to meet. How many of us are willing to give up our space? Oof, stay away from my personal space. Open, have an open-door policy when open-door policies are allowed again. Obviously. Whatever space God has given you, whether it's one room, a one-room apartment or a house, utilize it for God's kingdom by showing kindness. Use it sacrificially to show kindness to others. Host a small group. Please, host a small group. We need more small groups. Invite your neighbors around for dinner. Invite people that you know don't have the means, maybe, to invite you. Use what God has given you. Of course, kindness doesn't always fit into a nice, neat little box as these nice things that we can be doing and serving people. Something actually just, man, I'm going way off my notes here. This is dangerous, guys. But I just was reminded of something that I did with my church years ago. I always found really kind of encouraging is uh, we would go into uh, grocery stores and when people who maybe clearly didn't have a lot of means, we'd go right in front of them and then as they were going to check out, we would just pay for their groceries. And sometimes, man, especially like a single mom with two kids and, and you know, really counting the pennies, man, that just really touches somebody. That's a, and you, you're never going to see them again. You can't get anything back from it. But man, don't underestimate the impact that that might have on someone's life. 
Let's just let's find ways to just be kind to people. I don't know. I just wanted to share that with you guys. I think that's a, there's cool things that you can be creative in showing kindness, the kindness of Christ to the world. But I also want to remind you guys that kindness doesn't always fit into that, into that box. And this verse really hit me pretty hard. In Psalm 141, verse 5, it says, Let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. And I find that very fascinating, that this is equated to kindness. I've never had someone just come up and strike me in the head, but I would have a hard time finding it as kindness. What is he talking about? That being shown kindness isn't always maybe a pleasant experience, especially when we're looking at here in the church community. A kindness shown to us from someone who really deeply cares can look like discipline, maybe exposing a sin. Oh, that I can tell you, I've had, an experience, I've had experiences with where somebody said, man, you need to maybe check your heart on this thing. How are you doing with this? Really asking poignant questions that make me really look deep into myself, look deep into my heart. And man, I know that that wasn't easy for them to do, but I see it as a great, great kindness. Now, if you feel like, yeah, that's my calling, I'm called to tell everybody the things that are wrong with them. Amen, Pastor. No, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> that is definitely not your calling if that's what you feel. And if you're not willing to have it to be rebuked, then you should not go around rebuking anyone else. I'll say that just as an absolute truth. If you're not willing to be rebuked, don't go around rebuking other people. But I do think that it is important to just note that it can be a great kindness because this sometimes, we can think of it for ourselves. Maybe you have somebody in your life, somebody in your community that you think, man, I want them to know, I want them to know Christ. And it's, that's going to be challenging to talk to them about maybe some things that I see in their life that are, that are destroying their hearts. And if I tell them, they may end up hating me. And I really like them. I really like hanging out with them. I don't want to destroy that relationship. Ah, oh, but man, there might be a point where it is a great kindness. And maybe they do end up not liking you. Maybe that relationship is ruined, but God uses it to plant a seed that brings them to Christ. Or maybe it's somebody who is a Christian that just really needs to, be, to have something addressed in their heart. If you, if you know them well enough, the relationship is strong enough, and you genuinely love them, then it might be a thing to consider to act in kindness by showing them even their own sin, even though it is at great risk to yourself and to the relationship. But again, if you feel like really excited about doing that, definitely it's not what you're supposed to be doing because it should not be something that brings us, oh yeah, I can totally tear into this person. If that's your heart, then it's wrong. It is not the right heart. But if you are really fearful and with trembling, you come before them and say, I need to tell you something then it will be an act of kindness. And you can pray that God would give them the heart that we see in this psalm, that they would see it as a kindness. So kindness, kindness is always rooted in love. In fact, kindness, I believe, is love expressed. When we look at the love chapter of the Bible, the first thing it says in describing, love is kind. Love is kind, and our acts of kindness are love towards others being expressed. It is becoming generously inclined, generously inclined toward others out of love. That's what kindness is, and I think it's important to be on purpose as we seek to live 
and kindness. We don't want to, again, think of, about living, uh, living in kindness or having a kind heart or as some kind of abstract concept and thinking about it all really theoretical and looking back at our life and saying, yeah, I guess sometimes I'm kind. I don't know. Yeah, I could maybe adjust that to look at it that way, but to actually be kind to live in kindness, to see this fruit being produced in us, not simply as a concept or an idea, but as actions, as works, as something we actually do. Not simply for the sake of doing it as a work of the flesh or a work for ourselves, but as a fruit of the Holy Spirit within us. So start today. And if you're like me, Kindness is not something that you're just naturally gifted with. So pray for it. Pray for it. Ask God to grant you a kind heart, to remind you of the kindness that he has shown you, and to produce his kindness in you. To produce his kindness in you. And a good first step is to learn, and learning to be kind is to think less of you. Think about you less. We can kind of go down a really dark or wrong path where we think about this, oh, I'm not very kind, oh, I need to be kind, and we're just, we end up just being focused all about ourselves again. Get the focus off of you and think about others. Try to look around. Look around your life. Think of people in your life right now, people that you maybe could give and maybe need a kind word, who need encouragement, who need help. How many of you can think of somebody in your life you could be kind to this week? I'm going to just assume all of you raised your hand. <laughs> because if you're, unless you're maybe leaving here and going and living in an isolated tube somewhere, which is possible considering everything going on in the world. If you're around people, you have people you can be kind to. Do you have the resources to help them? Do you have the resources to help them? Do you have time you could give? Then I would ask you, why haven't you? Why haven't you? Ask yourself, why haven't I helped them? I have the means. I could do something. Maybe I couldn't, I couldn't solve everybody's problems. That's not what kindness is about. It's not about solving the world's problems. But if we all took a look at our own resources and asked ourselves, could I, help them? Could I help them? And then, why haven't I? We might have a hard time finding a good answer. And to that, I would say, be an answer to prayer. Be an answer to prayer. It's easy for us to look at somebody in need and say, oh, I'll just pray for him. And it's good to pray. Prayer is powerful. But if you have an encouraging word, if you have time you could give, a listening ear, and you pray, God, I pray that you send somebody to listen to their problems, then I would say, hmm, maybe God's saying, you're that person. Consider being the answer to a prayer. And lastly, as we begin to prepare our, for a time of communion here at the close, sorry, it went a bit late today. That's just sometimes happens. I haven't been here in a few weeks, got excited. As we prepare for communion, let's think on the cross. Let's look to the cross because while you were ungrateful, while you were unaware, rejecting the work that Jesus did on the cross for you and your salvation, he has shown you great kindness. The greatest 
kindness ever shown, the greatest love ever expressed through the kind act of his willingness to die, to take on your punishment so that you may have freedom. Remember how great the kindness of God is and let it fill you with hope. Romans 2, 4, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Ah, and that should encourage us to remember his kindness and also to show his kindness because it leads people to him. The deeper understanding of kindness that we have been shown through the cross of Christ, and the deeper we understand that, the less we will be focused on ourselves. And the more the kindness as the fruit of the Holy Spirit will flow out of us to everyone we meet. Not superficially, but out of a deep and genuine love for them. I invite the band to come back up as we prepare for communion. And let's remember now what Jesus has done. And let it fill us with hope as we celebrate communion together, remembering our forgiveness and a deeper connection with the genuine kind heart of Christ that we may represent him well in our own lives. Now, as we prepare for communion, there are uh, two things that we try to, I always try to remind us of, and that's one is that this is for believers. So it doesn't matter if you are a part of this church or a member of this church, you can be just visiting, uh, that's fine. Uh, but if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord, not that you're perfect, but that you believe that you are being perfected as you follow him and seek him in your life, then you are welcome to join with us in communion. Because as we take communion, we are proclaiming and remembering and declaring the work of Christ, that Jesus has, in fact, paid in full the penalty for our sin so that we may belong to him and that we are free from condemnation completely and forever for that one act on the cross. And the second thing is that we believe in taking time in re for repentance and just laying down our burdens, laying down our sins, laying down, maybe you can think, God, there's been times where I, I, I was kind for the wrong reasons or God, I have no kindness in my life. We can lay that down before him now before we come to his table. And also maybe any burdens, any things that your struggles, maybe it's exams or whatever it might be that you can go ahead and just lay that down. And so as the band plays uh, some music now, we'll just take two, three minutes for that. And then as, the, as we do, I invite the uh, ushers to go ahead and start passing out the elements now, but hold on to them and we'll take communion together after a time of prayer and repentance. <laughs>